Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer America. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Read-throughs. So much of successful investing is about read-throughs, dissecting the less obvious pin action when a company reports earnings. After a strong day, Dow gained 138 points, this will be advanced 0.45%, NASDAQ climbed 0.67%. You know what? I want to go over the best read-throughs of the session. Why don't we start with the commentary surrounding the excellent quarter from Micron, as the commodity semiconductor maker reported some truly terrific numbers last night. You know what they did? They called the bottom in the semiconductor space. Now, we know Micron. We've had CEO Sanjay Marotra right on the show several times. I spoke to him on Squawk on the Street right after he reported his last quarter. Why does this stuff matter? Because if you're going to get a useful read-through that can actually help you make money, you need to be able to believe the words that are coming out of the CEO's mouth. Otherwise, it's all just blather. Sanjay is money good with me. He's been a straight shooter every quarter about both the good and the bad. He didn't hesitate to tell us things weren't that great not that long ago. But he also pointed out that Mike Brown was going to cut back on production to bring inventories down, put them in line to a more reasonable level. And after the stock sold off in the spring, he said he would be buying the stock back, his own stock, hand over fish, which is exactly what he did because it had gotten too cheap in his eyes. Not only did he talk the talk, he also walked the walk. All right. We've established that. What are the read-throughs from Micron's quarter that can help you make some money in other stocks? Not just Micron itself. Although, remember, I do think that it's a terrific buy right here. Once the cycle turns for these commodity semiconductor companies, meaning once the prices for these products start going higher, and the, or at least the rate of price degradation slows, the first one is NAND, the second one is DRAM, well, you know what? You're usually at the beginning of a fabulous multi-year, not multi-month, not five, ten, fifteen dollar, multi-year business cycle with tremendous gains. I'm bringing all this up because Sanjay had some very bullish things to say on the conference call. 
The key line, I quote, we are calling fiscal Q2 as the trough. In other words, he said the current quarter is going to mark the bottom, and this next one is when you have to buy. So you've got a trustworthy CEO making a crystal clear bottom call with no hemming and hawing, just a naked cold shot that left zero doubt that he believes the nadir is at hand. That means it's just, it is just soon enough to take action in other semiconductor stocks that could benefit but aren't up as much or didn't seem to, people didn't seem to realize should be part of their portfolio or at least part of the read-through. But before you get into the positive pin action, love that. You need to understand, that's Le'Veon Bell, by the way. He did that. You have to understand why management's credibility is so important. Because lots of CEOs make bottom calls yeah, they say this, it's bottom here, it's bottom there. And they are often wrong. The other day, FedEx reported a truly disastrous quarter. And this company has become a serial disappointer. And its stock has been obliterated. Imagine talked about how the environment, the environment had gotten difficult. And that's why it's so hard to forecast. So you might think there'd be a really incredibly negative read-through for UPS. After all, they're in the same business. Nope. Few investors trust FedEx these days. So there was barely any negative pin action in UPS. Yeah, its stock went down a hair. But it's been able to bounce. FedEx also called the bottom on its call. But they have no credibility whatsoever. No one believes them. Or the stock never would have been hit so hard on the news. Micron's different. Micron's credible. So what can we buy off of Sanjay's bottom call? First, the company said there was a definitive tightness in flash memory, their second most important business line. Who else makes flash memory? Well, that's Western Digital. Of course, WDC also makes disk drives. That's a crummy business. But I think the turn at Micron is strong enough that Western Digital can continue its march higher. Stocks already rallied nearly 60% for the year, including 2.7% today. I'm betting it's just gotten started because I know my history. In the past, when the cycles turned, as I think it has, this $58 stock has rallied through $100. It's hit those lofty levels twice in the last five years, twice when the cycle turned. I think Western Digital can do it again. More generally, when you hear starting, start hearing about a bottom anywhere in the semiconductor space, that tends to be good news for the semiconductor capital equipment stocks like LAM Research and Applied Materials. Both are positive. But remember, LAM is anticipated that it's one of the strongest stocks in the entire S&P. So don't go crazy with LAM. Also, it's one of the strongest stocks when we were doing that piece last night about the impeachment. However, what's really Clinton impeachment. However, what's really driving Micron's strength is digitization itself. As companies move to the cloud and need to store as much data as possible in big warehouses full of servers, when you think data center, you should be thinking AMD and NVIDIA. Both of these stocks have been red hot. But even after the recent runs, you know what? I think they have upside, more upside, maybe much more upside. Mike one's starting to see the pull of 5G. That pull should boost Skyworks Solutions. You know, I like that company. It's well run. Corvo, Marvell Technologies. That shouldn't, that stock should be at 28. Uh, it will also boost the cell tower stocks. And we saw some of that pin action today. American Tower, Crown Castle, SBA Communications. Now, I know these names ramped, so there's no real hurry. But uh, you know what? You got to pull the trigger if they do come down. Here's an interesting one. Micron said PCs could be soft, but it's not because of demand. It's because Intel is still having trouble making chips. Now, you know who has them? Intel's main competitor, AMD. Another reason to buy AMD. 
Micron told us it's betting on demand for chips to power artificial intelligence and machine learning. I know from our trip to San Francisco that NVIDIA is already there, making chips that even understand inference. They know you're idiom. Another reason to own the stock. Of bye, bye, bye. Finally, let's consider who's using these data centers where Micron says demand is accelerating. Well, that would most likely be Facebook and Alphabet. Uh, Alphabet, by the way, touches about a third of all Internet commerce. These stocks, too, have been smoking hot of late. Let's just call it confirmation. Now, that's what a read through is. OK, so let's let's flip it. Let's talk about a negative read through. All right. Something that happened today that made you shudder and think, hold it. Wait a second. Maybe I'm too bullish. This morning, Darden reported a light quarter with their culprit being their main business, Olive Garden. The stock got slammed. Looked like it would take the whole restaurant cohort with it, given the pervasive presence of the bargain Italian chain. Hey, it was natural to presume because the chain's so popular that the consumer must be pulling in her horns, that something's wrong. Maybe he was staying at home. Something would be in sync with a monster quarter from Conagra, a total stay-at-home dining outfit that we'll talk about later. But once the conference call started, you learned that it wasn't that. It wasn't demand. You learned that the weak numbers were self-inflicted. Gene Lee, the normally bankable Darden CEO, told a story of poor promotion and sloppy execution. Once the company aborted its ill-advised plans, changed its promotions, and got back an even keel, what happened? The customers came right back. The granularity that Gene gave us about the cadence of the quarter, how it progressed, as it's called, told us that things were right with the world. Of course, Darden has to go deep, big time into the penalty box, which is why its stock fell $7.28, or 6.2%. And Gino emphasized that consumers are out there bargain hunting for great food they can eat at the restaurant or at home. Once the demand versus execution issue was cleared up, it was obvious that the consumer is still dining out. So to me, the takeaway is once again, I could never, never overthink these things, people. What do you buy? You buy the stock of... Chipotle. I know at 800 doesn't seem like a bargain, but the food's a bargain, so the stock's a bargain. Do not overthink it. I think you should continue to buy the stock. Remember, we just pulled up with them a couple weeks ago. They are good to go. Now, the usual caveats here. You never just buy any of these stocks. These read-throughs are all starting points. At my old hedge fund, I'd assign each analyst one of these to go to work on. Break them down. Try to sell it to me. I know that's hard for people at home. But the bottom line? Now you at least know what a read-through means, and if you've got the time, you can do the same analysis yourself to identify overlooked ugly ducklings that might, down the road, turn into beautiful swans. We're going to Adam in Nebraska. Adam! Hello, Mr. Kramer. Thank you for taking my call on everything you do for us. Oh, sure. Thank you, buddy. I am looking for a Dr. Kramer education here, if you could. My stock is Oracle, O-R-C-L. I've been doing my homework on it, and it's been kind of boring after earnings. However, yesterday there were 280,000-plus shares bought shortly after close, mostly in one big order of 220,000 shares. And today, after close, there was a $420,000 buy just minutes after close. Yeah, but you know what? My my bet here, Adam, is is that these could be program-related uh, I'm looking at the trade. It could be a matchup with something else. Um, I will tell you that I thought the quarter was okay. Uh, the stock got hit too hard off of an okay quarter. The process of Oracle has been this. Reports a quarter. People don't really like it. goes down. Then it just spends the next few months going up. Then reports a quarter goes down. I mean, it's okay. I mean, it looks like the Alps. I mean, but it's not the Matterhorn. Now. All right. 
Successful investing is about read-throughs, dissecting the less obvious pin action, and then buying it. You will identify overlooked winners that way. Man, tonight, uh, uh, what do the stocks of ConAgra, Rite Aid, and Viacom CBS all have in common? Then the IPO market has had quite an interesting year. Then I'm going through some of the down-and-out, high-profile names, see if they're worth buying into the new year. And I'm sitting down with the CEO of Emergent Biosolutions to discuss the opioid drug crisis and the fight over drug pricing. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Once a month, I do a conference call for the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. And most recently, I've been focusing on how wrong the market can be about how stocks are valued. Now, this is a very controversial thesis. Stocks are supposed to represent the future earnings power of the underlying company. Because everyone has the exact same information, the market's judgment is supposed to represent the sum of all that knowledge. If you read any economic textbook, it will tell you that markets are efficient, that they're good at processing information almost instantaneously, that the stock prices are right. What a crock. Every day we see imperfections that could potentially make you fortunes as long as you understand that markets are a mess. All right, just take a look at what happened today. This morning, ConAgra, CAG, reported a great quarter. A year ago this time, ConAgra missed estimates big time. I mean, 
Just horrible. company recently acquired Pinnacle Foods for $10.7 billion. Judging by the underperformance of those Pinnacle brands at the time, it looked like ConAgra had just gotten had. They shelled out a fortune to buy a bunch of has-been brands. A wishbone salad dressing, Duncan Hines, Hungry Man, Antramana, Lenders, Mrs. Pauls, and most importantly, Birdseye. However, even when the numbers look bad, ConAgra's management was steadfast about the acquisition. They said the deal made them the number two player in the United States frozen food market, and that's what mattered. They told us that they just need a little more time to turn around those pinnacle brands. I spent a lot of time with CEO Sean Connolly and his team, which is why I ultimately came around to the fact that the markets were making a mistake right here. I mean, Wall Street had way too little faith in the ConAgra way. It was just plain wrong to put the stock that deep into the penalty box. But the market's inefficiency gave you a terrific buying opportunity. Fast forward to today, ConAgra reported a phenomenal quarter that sent the stock soaring nearly 16%. Wouldn't you like to have owned that stock yesterday during the mis- misvaluation of this great American company? I expect to hear much more about this triumph over the skeptics when the company attends the big consumer analyst group of New York or CAGNY conference in mid-February. And I'm betting the stock has a lot more room to run. Oh, by the way, remember, they like fast food. Why? Because millennials like fast food. They're hung up on fast food. I told you I hate them. Let me give you another example. Right here. Last night, I took a call about Rite Aid, and I actually made fun of the company, saying it simply could not be bought because it was getting its clock cleaned by Amazon, by Walgreens, and CVS. I believe the conventional wisdom. I could not have been more wrong. Uh, actually, it's impossible to be more wrong. Today, Rite Aid reported a fabulous quarter. Well, you know what? Versus expectations. But it exploded into the stratosphere. It jumped 42%. How could everyone, including yours truly, get it so wrong? Conventional wisdom on Rite Aid was so, we were all so sick of the management changes, revolving door, competition, ailing balance sheet, that we didn't stop to wonder what could happen if things went right. I sure didn't expect the company to get a better than expected number, and neither did the countless short sellers who got squeezed today, causing this rally to occur. I'd say some of us because it's better, but most of it is a short squeeze. Rite Aid was misvalued to the max, though. One more to consider. It's a company with a stock that's just, it's, it's, it's screaming, I'm being valued incorrectly. Viacom CBS. In my last club conference call, I talked about how the merged media company is just totally misunderstood. This, this is a disaster, right? The fact that Viacom CBS was selling for just six to seven times earnings right here, that struck me as just downright insane. Now the stock's rallied to eight times earnings which is still ridiculous. In an era where content is king, where so many platforms are desperate for programming to stream, I mean, you're telling me, uh, what could be better than having Paramount to make movies and CBS to make TV programs and all under the same roof where the costs are being cut because of the merger? Why is it misvalued? You know what? I think people are too worried about Facebook or Alphabet or Amazon buying the rights to the sporting events that CBS treasures, covets, especially the NFL. But when CEO Bob Backish came on the show, he made it clear that the NFL, the actual management, actually cares tremendously about how games are televised, what they look like. And it regards CBS's coverage as something that can't be replaced. I don't see the stock market get this stock. I don't see the stock ever. It's not going to get a market multiple, OK? Not anytime soon. But this discount, which makes it one of the cheapest stocks in the entire S&P 500, it's totally unwarranted. Look, misvaluations exist. You should be glad they do because they often make for great buying opportunities. Even after these moves, I think ConAgra and Viacom CBS are worth buying here. They're still too low. Although Rite Aid is a case, I know I'm wrong, 
last night, but I think the easy money is me. Stick with Kramer. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Now that 2019 is almost over, what should we do with all these beaten down IPO names that came public earlier in the year only to become duds right out of the gate or peak just not soon after? Before the IPO window closed, we saw dozens of deals that were simply too expensive to be enticing. Think Lyft, Uber, Smile Direct Club. We saw turbocharged growth names explode higher, only to come crashing down from irrational levels within months. Zoom video, beyond me, crowd strike. But here's the thing. As long as the balance sheet's okay, stocks actually do get cheaper as they go lower. And when it comes to the IPO class of 2019, most of them are down dramatically from their highs. So are any of them worth owning as we head into 2020? 2020 vision. Let me walk you through some of these names that have become enticing at these levels. Or at least, let's say, make sense. We're going to start with none other than Levi Strauss. There are, you know, just let me tell you, there are others that don't have mad money on them. But when I go to the store, this is all I see. Um, Levi Strauss, the iconic jeans brand that kicked off the IPO deluge uh, when it came public in uh, March. And how great. I mean, come on. Come on. On its first day of trading, Levi. Oh, the collars. All right. OK, so I'm not. Hey, listen, it's just we'll do it. We'll, we'll fix it in post-production. Anyway, on its first day of trading, Levi zoomed from 17 to 22 and change. And at those levels, I thought it was too expensive. So I told you to hold off until we got a better entry point. Well, we did. We got a better entry point. The stock plunged to $16 in mid-August. Uh, and, and after some not-so-hot numbers, really, I'm really not-so-hot. And since then, it's actually mounting a nice rally, climbing back to 19 changes of us today. At this point, I think Levi's is still worth buying. We did decide... You know what? Here, it's just too enticing. That was a nice call. I mean, the stock currently sells for 17 times next year's earnings estimates. It's making one of the two turns cheaper than the average name in the S&P 500, but it's much better than those. It's Okay, it's a little on the expensive side for the power maker, but still, I like what Levi's is up to. The company has solid mid to high single-digit revenue growth, and it's developed a habit of beating Wall Street's earnings estimates. At last, they're a terrific innovator. And as we know from speaking to CEO Chip Berg at his innovation lab in San Francisco where they've come up with a much more efficient way to manufacture jeans. Well, you know what? I think it is actually represents real ingenuity. This isn't just clothes anymore, all right? I think the forecast for 2020 and 2021 could prove to be low, uh, which means Levi's likely has more upside going forward. And I just tell you that, whew, um, it, 
uh, Matthew Boss, whom we've had on, he's the uh, good, really good retail analyst over at, uh, at J.P. Morgan. He thinks it's bottom, too. Hey, speaking of denim, VF Corp spun off its jeans business, Lee and Wrangler, as Contour Brands. It was considered to be a total dud initially. For months, I've been telling you that VF desperately needed to spin off its ailing denim division for its stock to go higher, which it is, by the way. But once Contour started trading, I realized it had a lot going for it including a bountiful dividend that currently yields 5.6%. That's why I recommended this thing in July, and then since then it's up 37%. Obviously, Contour is much less of a slam dunk after this move. But the dividend remains attractive, and it is still fairly cheap. It only sells for 10.6 times this year's earnings. I say stick with it, but remember, apparel seems to go up or down depending on Chinese trade talks and what you're hearing from, let's say, uh, Gap stores to Nordstrom to Kohl's. Next, how about the ride-sharing stocks? Now we're dealing with Lyft and Uber. Lyft was the first huge IPO of the year, and it was a disaster right out of the gate, with the stock opening up at 87 and change before going to plunge to 78 at the close on its first day of trading. You know, it almost opened at 100. That would have been really bad. And it kept getting slammed over the summer as the market fell out of love with unprofitable but fast-growing companies. By mid-October, it had fallen to 37 but then we started hearing that both Lyft and Uber were committed to reaching profitability sooner than previously planned, certainly sooner than they would, when they were on the roadshow. And that's why I recommended Lyft in November. They seem to be getting their act together, and the market had already digested a wave of new shares from the lockup expiration, insisted it's rallied nearly 8%. I think the fundamentals here remain intact until something goes wrong or the stock goes substantially higher. We're going to stick with Lyft. It doesn't hurt that we're starting to see second and third rates ride-sharing companies go under, like Juno, which just referred all of its customers to Lyft. With the stock trading at roughly three times sales, I know, you want to buy earnings, but it's for sales. I think the valuation is actually pretty reasonable. Lyft delivered 63% revenue growth in the most recent quarter. That's pretty terrific. Then there's Uber, Lyft's larger, more troubled cousin. When I recommended Lyft last month, I told you to wait on Uber because the lockup on insider sales was about to expire. I figured that could really slam the stock price. Since then, there's been a wave of bad news. Former CEO Travis Kalanick has sold more than $2 billion with the stock since the lockup expired. When I met Travis at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, the first thing he said was he was much richer than I am, which I felt smacked of hubris. Uh, there was a horrific safety report. Local governments all over the world are trying to crack down on the labor practices. They just got banned in Germany. I mean, tons, right? But you know what I got to say? Uber, the stock, has done an incredible job of hanging in there, especially the last few weeks. Consider that it did it under the onslaught of a man who's much richer than I am, Kalanick, dumping all that stock. Plus, I like that they're selling the ailing Uber Eats India business. I wish they sell the whole darn thing. If they were to simply close the unprofitable Uber Eats, the stock could soar. I still prefer Lyft, but I suspect Uber may have bottomed here, especially if they bite the Uber Eats bullet. Next up, we've got a bunch of cloud-based software IPOs that soared right out of the gate, then ran out of steam in August and September. Now, unlike the more established peers, some of these stocks haven't bounced. And, and uh, you know what? Well, let's just say they're still kind of hanging out down there. Take Zoom Video. Now, this is a cloud-based video conferencing platform. It, it is so good. It came public at 36 in April for opening for trading at 65, and then it peaked at $107 in June. Then the whole cloud cohort went out of style on the Wall Street fashion show. So this thing zoomed right back to the low 60s by late October. And just when the stock started to get some lift, Zoom reported a quarter that was widely considered to be disappointing. I didn't think so, but the Wall Street didn't like it. That was a couple weeks ago, and that's why it's still stuck at 68. Now, Zoom has, almost everyone would admit, except for maybe people at Cisco, the best technology. 
Uh, we use this at the street for my monthly action alerts, plus.com conference calls. I love it. I believe in CEO Eric Dewine. He's come on the show a bunch of times. And while the growth has slowed a bit, it's still pretty spectacular. It's up 85%. In the latest quarter, the problem is that Zoom is still darn expensive. Uh, 22 times next year's sales, not earnings. 16 times the fiscal 22 forecast. I can't count on buying that at 40 or even 50. Now, Zoom, let's just say it would still be expensive, but I could recommend it. At 68, it's just too rich for me. It's one of those things, since you got to understand this, people, just because Zoom the product is the best, Zoom the stock can be too expensive. And then there's CrowdStrike, the cloud-based cybersecurity play. This story is remarkably similar to Zoom. You have a great company with an incredible product, but the stock's been too expensive from the get-go. The difference is that CrowdStrike's now down 22% from where the stock first opened, selling for 12 times its fiscal 22 sales estimates. Still too pricey for me. Remember, I like at times earnings, not sales. But if you want to take a small speculative position, you got my blessing. Good product, good company, stock down, CrowdStrike. What else? Pinterest had a red-hot debut, but then it turned out that the company was much further from profitability than we thought. And they became a serial disappointer. While the stock's back to, down to its IPO price, I think you need to stay away until they demonstrate more rigor. Revolve Group, the web-based fashion retailer. Good story. I made the error of recommending it in August, right before the growth, style, growth went out of style. Bad. Stock's now pulled back from 42 in June to 17 today. It's, it's absurdly cheap, frankly. Uh, selling for four, uh, 17 times the 2021 estimates. Uh, and that's just ridiculous. I mean, this thing's got great growth. I think it's going to be a terrific stock in 2020. Revolve. Maybe one of my favorites in this whole segment that I'm talking about. Bottom line, this year's IPO market has been a real roller coaster. But now that the dust has settled and many of these newly minted stocks have come down, I got to tell you, I like Levi's. I'm not going to put it on because it was really tight and then I got the collar wrong. Uh, Contour, Lift, and Revolve right here. Right now. Oh, and one last piece of advice. Will you please stay away from Chinese IPOs? They are bone crushers of the first order. Let's speak to Mike in Florida. Mike. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me on. I'm calling about Slack. Um, I picked it up about 90 days ago. It keeps bouncing around between 20 and 25. Uh, I was hoping it was going to break out. I'm, I'm watching its competitor, Microsoft, take off. Um, I was wondering if you think Slack could break out in 2020 or get rid of it. Well, you, this is the problem with Slack. Everybody knows it's the best product. Everybody. But they came public in one of those, uh, what I regard as being novel ways, where you didn't have real price discovery. And then the company is forever looking over its shoulder at Microsoft. Slack's good. It's just not good enough. IP, whoa! The IPO market has become a roller coaster, but I think the dust has started to settle. I like Levi's, I like Contour, I like Lyft, and most of all, I like Revolve! Much more made money at. The opioid epidemic has contributed to more than 700,000 drug overdose deaths in the U.S. since 1999. I'm talking to one CEO who's behind a tool that is working to save lives. In the future belongs to artificial intelligence. I'm eyeing one private company that's using that trend to its advantage. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the Lightning Round! So stay with Kramer. Over the last few months, we've witnessed a remarkable resurgence 
in biotech. They were talking about it all day today on the day side. Take emergent biosolutions. Now, this is a vaccine maker where the stock was down nearly 10% for the year, but it has rallied almost 40% from its lows just in late August. Well, some of that's because they want a multi, a major multi-year contract despite the Department of Health and Human Services with a small pack vaccine. It's going to be for the next decade. A lot of it comes down to the rotation back into healthcare, although smallpox obviously is very important. A couple of weeks ago, Emergent held an analyst day where they told a pretty darn bullish tale about how they're going to keep growing the core business while also making acquisitions. That's why I wanted to circle back because this company's got a lot going for it. So let's check in with Robert Kramer. No relation. Probably, probably hears that all day. Just kidding. The president and CEO of Emergent Biosolutions get a better sense of how his company's doing, where it's headed. Mr. Kramer, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank Good you, to Jim. see you. Great to see Good you. Good to see you, sir. Have a seat. All right. Now, I think a lot of people would think when you hear smallpox, well, didn't we eradicate that? Do we still do vaccines? The answer is it is more important than ever, isn't it? It is. It's one of the top biologic threats that our government is most concerned about, along with anthrax. And uh, we've been in uh, this space for a long time, partnering with HHS and other government agencies to make sure that our country is prepared uh, with response plans to protect civilians and military personnel. Well, at the same time, speaking of protection of people, uh, the your Narcan contracts and what's going on there, because I found this fascinating. You talked in your annual state about co-prescription for people who are high-risk opioid users. That sounds like every state should do that. Well, currently there are nine states, Jim, uh, that have adopted some form of co-prescription where essentially physicians are required to have a conversation with a patient before they give them a prescription for an opioid to also give them a prescription for uh, some type of naloxone product like Narcan nasal spray. Because we all know that timely access uh, and administration of a naloxone product like Narcan is critically important to saving lives. Now, let's talk about these giant verdicts that you see they give against the help against some of these drug companies. Totally worthwhile, as I think. But when they see these money, shouldn't some of that money go to you to make sure that people have Narcan and we stop having people dying from this stuff? Well, I think the federal government is doing that maybe in a, in a less direct way okay. with all of the state and federal funds. Uh, to support the the opioid epidemic, there was one point eight billion dollars was uh, fund fu- provided for funding for two thousand and nineteen. Uh, much of that money is going toward procurement of naloxone products like Narcan. But importantly, it's also going to education and awareness uh, to make sure that the 21 million patients who are taking some form of a prescription opioid are aware that there is a risk, number one. And secondly, they're aware of the importance of having access to naloxone to potentially save their life. The president talks and his people talk aggressively to me about Chinese dumping fentanyl that is poisonous here. Poisonous fentanyl can't be, you can't be saved by Narcan, right? Well, you, you, you can. You I mean, can. You can. So whether it's fentanyl or carfentanyl, uh, you know, what's scary is that there are derivatives of opioids and these kinds of products that are hitting the market uh, that are, you know, very deadly. It doesn't take a, a lot of that material to cause massive right. death. And, uh, you know, our, our government sh- is proactively... Uh, looking to protect folks. Okay, uh, how about uh, another one? Anthrax still there, right? It is. It's uh, <clears throat> excuse me, along with <clears throat> smallpox. It's uh, one of the <clears throat> main biologic how, threats. But how is it possible <clears throat> that we haven't figured these things out? I mean, the other one. I mean, botulism. That's still. I mean, botulism killed people. When I was growing up, there was a, a bunch of cranberry cans. 
that killed people sure. was botulism. Sure. We're, we're still like a, we still have a problem with botulism. Well, I think our government, rightly so, is concerned and and being prepared to protect civilians and military personnel from those kinds of threats. And they are rightly proactively stockpiling a, a whole portfolio of products uh, okay. in the case where people who want to do something bad um, are are pre- are prevented. All right, well, one last question: um, There are people, considerable number of people, who believe that vaccines aren't good. They want they're vaccine resistant. What do you think about people, for instance, who think that it's wrong to take the measles vaccine? Yeah, I think the the clear benefits of uh, proactively immunizing uh, people from known diseases, infectious diseases, right. is critically important, whether it's measles or pertussis or uh, any, any number of them. So uh, while there are, are always risks in terms of uh, potential adverse events, uh, the benefits far outweigh those risks. I want to leave it on that because I sure hope people are listening. I mean, to me, this is, you know, know more than anyone else in this country if that's the case. That's Bob Kramer, president and CEO of Emergent Biosolutions, a critical company, critical to keep all the people safe in our country. They have money speculating. It is time! It's over the night! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Down the lightning round clears the month summer with Mitchell in New York. Mitchell! How are you? Big booyah from Kew Gardens Hills, Queens, New York. How oh, are you? Close to, very close to my colleague David Faber's home. What's going on? Very good. Okay, so what is your opinion on Starwood Property Trust? SCWT? I think it's still cheap. It's had a nice run, but I still like it very much, and I think it should be bought right here. And Barry Sinnerlich is always welcome. He's also an Eagles fan, so let's good luck on Sunday. I need Gerard in Virginia. Gerard. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Yes. A lot of doctors and nurses will know this stock, not too many other people. Of course, because of their pulse oximeters. How do you like Massimo, M-A-S-I? I've liked it since it came public. I think it's terrific. This is the kind of thing that keeps you alive, lets you know what's going on. Sensor technology is brilliant. Tom in New York. Tom. Hey, Jim. Yo, Chief. Booyah from Manhasset, New York. Manhasset, uh, Miracle Mile. Go. What's happening? Billy Joel, go. Yeah, Billy Joel Town. Anyway, big shout-out to my wife, Paige, and my, our amazing dog, Molly. We all want to know what's going on with AbbVie. Are we going to break that $90 ceiling? What's going on? The stock is a rocket ship, and it's terrific. It's at 88. It's still got a 5% yield. It goes higher. You know, I'm using a $100 price target for the club. I need to go to Steve, Steve in New York. Steve. Booyah, Jim. How's it going? I'm not bad. Thank you for asking. How about you? All right. That's all good. about IDX. Please tell me this is just a broken stock and not a broken company. IDXX. Well, I mean, you know, it's no longer run. It's no, it's no, no longer run by a John John Ayers. And uh, I just, I do like the thesis very much, which is humanization of pets. I don't know if you saw the Alonco upgrade today. I think that makes a lot of sense. But uh, I understand the the, the, the uh, trepidation. I'm, I'm reserving some judgment on IDEX myself. Let's go to Brandon in Pennsylvania. Brandon! Hey, Jim. A big Philly booyah to you. Yeah, that's the best of luck, Philly booyah. What's going on? Yeah, <laughs> need a big win on Sunday. No on, uh, About this stock, it's been beaten down, but I like the fundamentals. Uh, UNFI, United what Natural. Fundamentals? What fundamentals? Come on, no, I have to write it. i got to be very careful. I, I'm not as big a fan of it as you are. 
Uh, I sure wish Whole Foods were publicly getting involved with Robert Rodney because then I would take that stock to 200. Let's go to Doug in New York. Doug. Jim. Doug. Your name, your name is Jim. Live yeah. long and prosper, Jim. My stock is C Limited. Ticker SE. Well, that- li- li- live long and prosper, Jim does not know that stock. He's going to have to do a little homework on it, okay? Because that's not, uh, not mine, although I do know how to do this. Um, let's go to Sarah in California. Sarah. Hi. Merry Christmas, Jim. Merry Christmas, Sarah. Hey. Hey, what about PG&E? Um, oh, Sarah, too hard. You know what? I actually like Semper. I know. I'm old-fashioned. I just like to make money and not, and not roll the dice. And that. Merry Christmas. Ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TG Ameritrade. In industry after industry, what separates the winners from the losers is that the winners know how to harness the power of their data to make better business decisions. That's right. The winners have gotten religious on data analytics. And that's why Salesforce spared a fortune to buy Tableau to expand their business intelligence capabilities. That's why Google snapped up the privately held Looker for $2.6 billion. And it's why, you know, I like Splunk and Alteryx so much. They've been fabulous. But if you want to understand this kind of theme, sometimes you have to know what the privately held startups are doing. Which brings me to ThoughtSpot, a company that offers a search engine-style analytics platform, the kind of platform that even people with no technical sophistication can use to analyze billions of rows of data from any source in seconds. I think this kind of accessibility could be the future of the industry. So let's take a closer look with Sudish Nair. He's the CEO of ThoughtSpot to learn more about the company and its prospects. Mr. Nair, welcome back to Mad Money. How are you, sir? I'm very well, Jim. As they say in talk radio, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you so much for having me on the program. I love that. Okay. I need you first to describe uh, what the company does, the basics, and the challenges you're facing right now. Yeah, so... ThoughtSpot combined the idea of uh, bringing uh, data analytics and artificial intelligence in the world of cloud. Now, that sounds like a lot of jargons and gobbledygook, but uh, to really understand the reason for us to exist, why we need, when you have all these great companies that you just mentioned, uh, we need to understand what changed the last five years. In the last five years, there are two major changes that happened. Number one, most businesses have started collecting exponential amount of data from things like IoT, mm-hmm. Internet of Things, and from a mobile, uh, from people. The second, to process and store this amount of data, more and more businesses have started moving them to cloud, public cloud like Amazon uh, and uh, mm-hmm. Google and Microsoft Azure. So with this kind of tectonic shift happening in the architecture on data, you need new tools to make sense of the data that you collected so you can act better. That's why the thought spot uh, is so relevant, and that's why we are uh, uh, doing well. Okay, so I'm Hulu. I'm trying to figure out. I want yeah. more subscriptions. I'm trying to figure out yeah. what drives subscriptions. I hire yeah. ThoughtSpot to figure that out? There are two things there. First of all, uh, it's, uh, imagine going and pitching a program, uh, a script that you want to give it to Hulu to say produce. People don't produce content without understanding uh, how it is going to uh, perform. Uh, for example, if you have a can of Coca-Cola sitting in front of you, there is a reason why it's there, because now it's a data-driven decision. 
Everything that happens in the script, the creative process, who gets to see what, when, all of those things are now decided with a view of how it is going to perform based on data analytics. So you can see that even before the program is aired, the creative process itself is heavily influenced by the data that goes into it. So customers like Hulu, uh, they do a couple of things with ThoughtSpot. Number one, what we call product 360. So take a product and see how this product is going to perform around it. Who's going to watch it? Uh, take your program. I mean, you are one of the most data-driven sort of programs in, in all of TV. And I'm sure that you probably get reports saying, uh, what was your viewership like last week, right? Well, what, I do, see those, what uh, I do is try to figure out what stocks are most heavily traded and which ones are called up, which yeah. ones people are talking about. But I'm not nearly, I would love to hire ThoughtSpot. Are you kidding me? I mean, look, I, could, you know, I know to talk about Tesla every night. That's not exactly what I'm supposed to do. You guys actually would know what pops. 100%. So you see, what happens is every time you get an answer, you have 10 questions that comes up. Right. What ThoughtSpot does really well is allow the person with the business knowledge but doesn't have the data knowledge, right. interactive SQL, Python, coding, to interact with the data so you can build data-driven storytelling. And that's a powerful, powerful thing because every customer is looking for that sort of personalized experience from the business. And to deliver that, you need to empower every business user to interact with the data and then deliver action that are bespoke for that customer. Okay, so, let, let, so let's go through this because what happens is you're describing a business that has far fewer failures because of the data. Because we used to know, for instance, the motion picture business, they could spend $100 million and have no idea what they're doing yeah. and, and have a bomb. You eliminate a lot of the bombs, which is why, for instance, in Netflix or Hulu, they were smart enough to know that they were making things that would be liked before they made them. Yeah. So, you know, I, I actually try to be very clear about this. I believe that there is place for both left brain and right brain, that is the intelligence analytics brain and the creative brain to come together in decision making. In fact, that's why ThoughtSpot is so powerful in the sense that uh, a, a director like Martin Scorsese just built a four-hour movie right, and right. released on iPhone, right, on Netflix. A lot of people are watching on iPhone and he probably doesn't like the fact that it is not built for that form factor. His creative interpretation of how a frame will look like is still valuable. Human experience is extremely critical in the okay. business decision making. But imagine now that person doesn't have curiosity tax. So right. I've been in the business of building, creating movies for the last 20 years. But now I can also interact with how the data is going to be without having to go through a middleman or a middlewoman. Oh. That changes the game. Okay, well, so it, it, we are, what we are trying to do is to bring those together. Okay, now I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, I want to own a share, a thought spot. When can I do that? Yeah. You are the left brain and the right brain merger. I got to have it. When? I mean, because you got a nice couple bill valuation and you seem like you're a real company, not one of those companies where you want to get on the plane smoking pot to Israel. Well, I wish. I mean, I am in California, so <laughs> I, let's not go there. But I'll tell you one thing. So prior to coming to ThoughtSpot, I've actually been through this ride of taking the company from nothing to IPO right. in 2016. And it was in Nutanix, and it was one of my most uh, memorable experiences of the life. And you know we have Nutanix, in, uh, so we like them. They're friends of the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're public. Yeah, yeah. When and, are you uh, going to come public? So the reason I mentioned that is because one thing I realized about going through that process is that when you go to public market, you better have predictability in your business. True. 
So with ThoughtSpot, what we have done is that we have assembled the team. We have the product. We have the product market fit. But almost all of our customers are in Global 2000. Okay. In fact, more than 30% of the Global 50 are our customers. Apple to Walmart to Cisco to ServiceNow to ExxonMobil, okay. uh, you know, BT, Verizon, all of them. So with them, the challenge is that these are large deals. And we want to make sure that we stack them in a way that so that we can deliver predictability to the street. So having gone through that journey once, as we are preparing ThoughtSpot, the thing that I am most uh, focused on is making the business more predictable. So when we go out there, we can deliver quarter after quarter of beat and race, which is oh. what uh, uh, you know is necessary. Okay, so we're going to leave it like this. I predict you're going to have a great stock and you've got a great company. How about that, sir? Good enough? I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Fantastic. That's Anish Nair, CEO of ThoughtSpot. I find this stuff so compelling. I hope you do too. Stick with Craver. I didn't mention impeachment, Tesla, or Apple. So, impeachment, Tesla, Apple. Today was a very good day for the semiconductors, and that is just a total read-through from Micron. And if you want to know which one I think is the strongest, believe it or not, it is still going to be NVIDIA, and second is going to be AMD. I do think that this group has legs because it's the data center that's driving the thing. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Man Monday. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.